Good morning, Toronto. Andy McNamara with you here on TSN 1050. It is Toronto today until 1 o'clock. Man, there is a ton to get to today. A ton. As soon as we went off the air yesterday, it seemed like the NFL just exploded with news. Aaron Rodgers signing, Brett Hundley getting traded, more Khalil Mack stuff, the Michael Kendricks saga continues being busted for insider trading. There is a slew of info to get to, and we'll chat about it all with national NFL writer from Bleach Report, Brad Gagnon. That's going to be at 11.20. At 12.20, an hour after that, Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. I want to get into, with Steve, the Blue Jays. And our talk from yesterday about... Who's to blame for the Blue Jays' demise? And you guys brought the heat yesterday. Love you, Toronto. You guys brought it on the phone, on Twitter. I had to block a guy yesterday. He got so obsessed with defending Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. He got uh, he, he, he swore, if you swear on Twitter, I'm going to block you. Sorry. But he was so incensed. We went back and forth for like an hour. And then I get bored. Like Really, if there's any topic that goes more than like four back and forth tweets, I usually... Just lose interest. But I kept needling this guy, and then he went he went over the edge. I was convinced this was a Shapiro burner account. He was so happy with the way the Jays were going. Like, this dude was like, oh, they tried. It's like, yeah. And they're 30 and a half games out of first, so they failed. We'll get into the Jays. Who's to blame? And then looking forward with this Blue Jays season with Steve Simmons. Might talk a little uh, Maple Leafs, too. Leafs rookie tournament roster announced today as well. And Summer Wrestling Series continues. And it's pro- this is probably the last one. Summer Wrestling Series with WWE superstar, multi-time champ, Mike The Miz Mazanin. The Miz, who's married to French-Canadian wrestler Maurice. He's got reality shows. He's got titles. He's got it. very outspoken and a huge NFL fan. So we'll talk about that with The Miz at 11.40. They're in Toronto today, just like the show, at the Metro Convention Center with Triple H, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles at the Fan Expo. So that's going to be very cool. So we'll tell you how to get tickets for that and go down see The Miz, see some WWE superstars there. Let's bring in producer Joe Narsa. Joe, uh, we have done, I think, a great job of hitting just the nerve of Toronto sports fans over the last few weeks in slow news time with Leafs and Jays polls. Like, people got fiery yesterday, and I thought it would be pretty one-sided with everyone blaming Shapiro and Atkins. But there were plenty of people blaming Anthopolis for emptying the cupboard and, and just, you didn't win a title, so it didn't matter. And some defenders of the current regime, which, again, I'm baffled by. Yeah, it's... It's been interesting that the amount of frustration that we got from Blue Jays fans that wanted to defend the team. That's what... I I, don't get it. The Leaf fans, I understood because they're kind of in a happy place. So any type of hyper-criticism or kind of digging beneath, you know, the skin is like, oh, well, why are you being picky? Like, okay, fine, fine. I can maybe understand that. But hypothetically, Uh, they all answered our questions. I don't vote Nylander. I vote Gardner. (laughs) And then, but the Blue Jays fans having, like, saying that, oh, you know, like, it's no one's fault. Well, real, and, and I, I should correct exist. myself, Joe. Uh, 31, 31 and a half games back of first. If you're not furious as a Jays fan, and I, I understand apathy at some point settles in. We're August 30th. It's been this way for a while. But just overall, from the management saying you're a playoff team, we expect to contend to 31, okay? 
31 and a half games out of first. That means, Joe, the Jays would have to go on a 32-game winning streak and then probably like another 10 to 15-game winning streak to, to get back into contention. Isn't that what they're doing? <laughs> oh, what? No, no, they're doing the opposite. They lost to the Baltimore Orioles, who were last in the American freaking league. That's what they did. Tough park, though. <laughs> we're watching the game, and one Tough of my buddies park. looks over at me and goes, Baltimore, <sighs> tough city. Did you say you're part like, of the problem? Did I you say like, you're the problem? Well, so here's the best part. So my buddy Mike, we're at my, uh, oh. my, we're at my friend's house and um, made the best smoked ribs I've ever had. Just bought a smoker. He was going off about like smoking ribs. They were great. Yeah. So my buddy Mike is sitting there, and we're sitting in the backyard, and there's a backyard TV, and he's sitting directly in front of this TV with a perfect view. His feet are up on the table in front of him. As he's wearing a retro Blue Jays Joe Carter jersey, oh. he looks me dead in the face and goes, I don't even want to watch the Blue Jays. <laughs> I look over at him like, what are you talking about? You look exactly like a person that was ready to watch the Blue Jays. He's like, no, like I just kind of watch them They're just like, there. the same way my dad watches like, like you just put it on. Like I it's just, just it's on. It's fine that it's on. Like it like the Jays now are kind of how I view like if you have an a, a non-major golf event. You just have it on in the background on a Sunday. You use it maybe you like doze off and you wake up you're like, "Oh, cool, it's still on. It's the 6th inning." And then you like go back to sleep or like go gardening or something. It's a good way to have an afternoon nap but feel like you accomplished something. Yeah, right? Cuz then you wake something. up and you're like, "Oh, it's for nothing Baltimore. This is terrible. How is it only the 2nd inning? And I'm going to sleep for an hour." And then you just go and do something else with your life. So th- that was the Jays' question yesterday, but we wanted to swing it back to some Leaf talk here, as we, we like to do. Camp is, what, September 13th, right? Like, it is, it is coming fast. So we put out there, are you surprised, and this is at, at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter, at AndyMC81, are you surprised with Leafs training camp just around the corner, September 13th, we're almost there, that the Maple Leafs haven't done anything of significance to improve the defense? And listen, we, you get John Tavares... You're stacked down the middle. You got Freddie Anderson. Maybe Sparks is back up. You're loaded back there. We want everything, right? I want to be a greedy Leafs fan. I got a taste of the playoffs. I want more. I want it all. So what about the D? Dubas, come on. We know we're in good shape, but now we have the luxury, instead of in past years, of saying, boy, can the Leafs maybe be in contention for like two months before they suck? No, now, we need, now we're getting specific. So, here's the question again. The Maple Leafs haven't done anything of significance to improve the defense. Are you surprised? Yes, it's their biggest weakness. Why haven't they done anything? No, they're being patient. Or, no, there's not much out there. So, really, it's patience of, all right, let's see, how does Dermot do? How does everybody coming back do? You made some, you made some subtractions. Roman Polak, is, is there an addition by subtraction with giving younger guys some more time? Or just like, hey, man, you know what? Like, unless you're going for our blockbuster P.K. Subban trade idea from a few weeks ago, it's not like there was much out there on the market. And, you know, Carlson, Ottawa, they don't want to deal with you. So what were you going to do? So, yes, it's their biggest weakness. No, they're being patient. Or no, not much out there. I'm going to say this to me. I'm going to lean more towards no, there's not much out there because the way Kyle Dubas went for it with John Tavares and would just like smack the league in the face and was like, what's up? I'm here. I think if there was a deal to be made or some improvement to be done, he would have done it. 
Like, I know he's patient in the sense of contract negotiations with William Nylander. But if there was something of note, I think he would have done it. So I'm going to go on the side of no, there's not much out there. How do you? Th- what do you think, Joe? How are you voting here? I'm saying yes. It's their biggest weakness, and they did nothing to fix it. But don't get me wrong. We were talking about this. It's not that I thought that they'd go after and find a superstar defenseman yeah. or make a blockbuster deal. But I thought at least they would kind of try and shore up maybe the five, six, seven, the back end, just in case. Because I mean, having a depth defenseman can pay off in long in the long term game, especially in the playoffs when. You know, the the line matching happens. You kind of need guys to eat minutes without hurting you. So I thought at, at best the Maple Leafs are going to find like a minute muncher just to have somebody that right. can be, a you know, a neg- not a negative, sorry, just like a neutral presence on the ice. And maybe to someone to, back end. to counteract maybe Ron Hainsey, who when guys start getting up 37, Joe, like it's like, you know, you think at some point there's going to be a fall off. Like I would have maybe liked to have seen a little bit of a, a boring insurance policy, right? Like a steady stay-at-home guy. But on the other side of that, if you think, okay, let's say let's use Pollock's gone for example. Well, you saw Travis Dermott thirty-seven games last year. You liked what you saw. Maybe they figure, all right, hey, this guy's going to be here all year. We're going to give him the time. We want to see what we can do. And maybe the thinking is, let's make a decision by Christmas. See how things go. Yeah, right? I think so. Plus. After the splash they made with John Tavares committing a lot of money there, and you know, they have some built-in goodwill. Yeah, from the and, fan base. and they know that realistically, last year this defense was good enough to get them in third spot, battling for the Atlantic Division, like in second. At some points, they were close to Tampa. Mm-hmm. It was their Achilles heel in the playoffs, but their offense wasn't playing very well either. The team didn't look very good against Boston either. So there's a lot of reasons why you can believe that this decor is good enough right now to make sure you stay as competitive as you are. Because of the depth down the middle. It goes back, Joe, I've been saying it for weeks, the Pittsburgh model. If you control the play with a dominant offense, if the puck is not in your end, and you keep pushing the play and controlling the play, you can get away with an average defense as long as the guy in between the pipes is stellar. And I think if you put Sparks in there with Freddie Anderson, you have a, an excellent one-two combo. So if you look at it from that standpoint, you just I think now you just want the, the Leafs defense not to cost you, right? You just don't want them to, to be the reason you lose a game. Maybe it's a little sloppy. Maybe it's not as, as exciting or shut down as you want, but you want them to just be like, if they're average and the forward group and the goaltending is great, I think you're set. You need this Leafs defense to be the equivalent of a game management quarterback. Oh, like an Alex Smith of defenses. Yeah, just don't make a mistake. Yeah, and don't. And if don't you screw do it make, up. don't don't make it crucial. Don't throw pick six. Just throw pick. Yeah, like like if if you're up four nothing and you turn it over and they score. Okay, that's fine. Don't have it one one in a critical game. Right, and I think what's going to be interesting to see for the Leafs decor is how how they can be exposed hmm. and how they can't be exposed because of this new offense. So to your point, those centers, 
they could insulate this decor and make them make their jobs a lot easier because they're winning face-offs, they're controlling yep. the zone in the offensive. Pay, on, sorry, they're controlling the puck in the offensive zone. We've seen how good Nazem Kadri's gotten in face-off draws over the last couple of years. Right, I love the that addition of Tavares helps as well. Sure. Also, they're going to be a little bit faster, some more puck movers on the wing, and the defense can have an easier time kind of getting the puck out of the zone. And that's going to be the key, Joe, for what you said right there. As long as you can get it out, we don't want that those clearing turnovers, those kind of brain cramps that you get out of Jake Gardner at times. Get have Riley and Gardner get the puck out, get it to your playmakers, get it out. And that was exact. And when you say the Pittsburgh model, like whether it's been with Chris Letang or not, their system has been put it off the glass, get it into the neutral zone, and let our skilled players get the puck on their stick. Exactly. And to your point, the Leafs also have the ability of yeah, okay, we can criticize Jake Gardner because he does make mistakes. But he is a, he's a skilled player with a great first pass. Mm-hmm. Morgan Riley is a skilled player with a great first pass. Zaitsev has a very good first pass. He's not. He, I don't think he's as good as the Leafs are maybe, maybe looking at him as, but he has a good first pass. He can be good enough. Exactly. And then you have Travis Dermott, who offensively is a developing defenseman. The team has the ability of moving the puck out of the zone. Yeah. So if you hit the nail on the head with having those forwards kind of control the pace and control play, then, to the least credit, they should be all right. Let's get a reply on Twitter here. And again, you can vote in the poll at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMCD1, at Joe Narsa TSN, all on Twitter. The Maple Leafs haven't done anything of significance to improve the defense. Does that surprise you? Yes, it's their biggest weakness. No, they're being patient. Or no, wasn't much out there. So what can they do? At Toronto Baghead, my guy Baghead says, Jake Gardner is still masquerading as a D-man. I don't buy it, and the Bruins definitely didn't buy the charade back in Game 7 either. Oh, Toronto Baghead bringing the heat on Gardner. Man, I think, though, this team is deep enough up front, and if Travis Dermott keeps developing as he has been, I, I, I don't think the Jake Gardner factor as a singular force is going to be that big of a deal. I don't think it will be. Like Again, it could come down to crucial situations he turns it over, sure, but I think this team is now built up enough where one guy, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for Jake Gardner this year. The issue with Jake Gardner is that it almost seems like whether you limit his ice time, you improve his ice time, he plays the right amount of ice time. Yeah, He's just always due. There's something, you are, you're always nervous. But then he flashes and you're like, oh, and then it comes back. It's yeah. kind of like a gunslinger. Well, if you go back to football example, it's a gunslinger quarterback. You wanted a game manager back there. Well, Jake Gardner's the guy. He's kind of like a Brett Favre, except, you know, without the future Hall of Fame. He chucks it up. Brett Favre had what? The most touchdowns and the most interceptions. He's going to throw it up, and something's going to happen. It's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible, but there's no in between. And that's kind of how I picture Jake Gardner. Yeah, and I, I like Jake Gardner as a player. I think he's very positive. He's a positive presence for the Leafs' decor. The issue is that the amount of minutes he plays leaves him very open to making those mistakes. Yeah. And I look at Gardner as a perfect like fourth guy who is going to offensively flash, put up points, be a power play specialist when you have no risk, and won't be the greatest defensive defenseman, but it's okay. If you pair him with... So- you need a safety net with Gardner. Right. You need a pairing with him, someone who can cover it up. And that's why if somehow, I'm not saying it's easy, but somehow, some way, if the Leafs could add somebody with a higher skill set than Gardner, then it pushes everybody down and you don't have to count on him. 
Easier said than done. We're going to step aside, talk some NFL. News exploding all over the place with the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers getting a huge extension. You have Michael Kendricks being busted by the feds for insider trading. Khalil Mack still not signed. There is a ton to talk about. Brad Gagnon, National NFL Bleach Report writer, joins me next to do just that on Toronto Today. Back to Toronto today here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMCD1, Instagram at AndyMCSports, and the station at TSN 1050 Radio. We'll talk some more Leafs, some more Blue Jays as they head out to Miami to take on the awful Miami Marlins after being swept by the equally bad Baltimore Orioles. So, who the hell knows what to expect out of the Jays? But there is so much going on in the National Football League, man. There is a ton. So we're bringing in, in just a moment, Brad Gagnon, National NFL writer from the Bleacher Report. I guess uh, Green Bay making some noise. They dealt Brett Hundley, their backup quarterback, after acquiring Deshaun Kaiser from the Browns uh, this offseason. Hundley was not good. He got three wins, but they he it just showed he was not going to be their quarterback of the future and Green Bay kind of going the New England route where you draft a QB you have him around until the just about the end of his contract and then you know doesn't work out poof you go get another younger guy let's bring in Brad Gagnon here national NFL writer from Bleach Report Brad how's it going man uh, not bad man how are you oh pretty good have to we're, we're both not doing as good as Aaron Rodgers who cashed <laughs> in huge this type of money this type of deal obviously it's going to make him happy but i wonder brad when you look big picture and longer term for the packers like it has hindered the baltimore ravens with joe flacco obviously rogers is much better but this type of of money commitment do you think looking down the road this could could hinder the packers from building around rogers you know, I'm just trying to pull up this tweet now that, that Tom Pellicero um, from, from NFL Network had, which was kind of jarring. I just found it here. He, uh, when Aaron Rodgers signed his $22 million a year contract in 2013, uh, that was 18% of the salary cap at the time. His $33.5 million a year deal that he signed yesterday Nineteen percent of the salary cap. Oh. I mean, we, we we I think it's, hmm. it's easy to look at the numbers and think, my gosh, like you know that's one fifth of the cap. But that's sort of been a trend for a long time. When you're a premier quarterback, when you're making twenty to twenty five, and the cap was one twenty, it was about the same. And now we got to remember the cap is exploding every year. It's going up by ten, twelve million dollars, and it's uh, before long it's going to be in the two hundred million dollar range. And and when he's making thirty three in a couple of years, and it's two hundred, um, it might not seem so. Uh, you know. Uh, um, over the top in terms of uh, how much um, uh, space he eats and how much of that pie is owned by one player. And then again, you got to remember, it is the quarterback position. I mean, this yeah. team has no chance without Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. And if it does have Aaron Rodgers, it has a very good chance. It's that much of a difference maker. And, and so, we saw that last year, right, Brad? Like yeah. without him, this, this was a team that was a division winner two out of the playoffs. And so how do you put a price on that, yeah. right? I mean, ultimately, I mean, yeah, if it was you know, 28 or 29, 30, the, you know, Kirk Cousins to, um, 
to Matt Ryan range, then yeah, of course the Packers would love to save a few million bucks. That's, you know, $3 million a year is the equivalent of a, of a pro bowl caliber linebacker, you know? And so you'd love to save that cash, but ultimately the Packers, they're not big spenders. They rarely push the cap too, too much in the first place. They like to spend on homegrown talent. And this is the epitome of successful homegrown talent. So um, I don't think that this contract is going to, you know, uh, become um, such a hindrance that the Packers are going to fail to compete. Um, they have fallen into a bit of a, of a, of a uh, quandary in recent years where people have said, you know, they're all Aaron Rodgers and, and kind of nothing else. Mm-hmm. I, I also kind of dispute that. They have had a lot of good players on that offensive line and that receiving core over the years. Um, obviously, they've, you know, they had a, a perennial pro bowler who's not quite the same anymore in Clay Matthews, but has had a great career as well. I mean, they've had a, they've had good players around Aaron Rodgers. So I dispute the, the notion that they're all about a Rod. The reality is, is that most teams in the league don't win without their star quarterback. If they do have one and, and uh, have a good chance when they have that star quarterback in the lineup. And that's really a, what, what this boils down to. That's not a bad number. You throw out there 19% because yeah, then there's still room to be built around that for the rest of this Packers team. But the numbers, when you just look at them, they're, they're awesome, right? We've had from at Darren Ravel says Packers will pay Aaron Rodgers the equivalent of $400,000 per day for 200 days. You <laughs> tweeted out at Brad underscore Gagnon, uh, over the course of the next calendar year, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers will earn about $250,000 a day. Yeah, that wow. was, that came from uh, I think Forbes. I think it was Forbes that did a an assessment based on both his contract and his endorsements. And so the Ravel thing is actually, you know, that that stat is even more jarring, obviously. But uh, you know, I originally found that you know did that math based on the the full calendar year between now and essentially uh, next summer. And, you know, I don't know which one's more jarring because one's only a half a year, but I mean, just the thought, like, uh, I realize there are, there are, you know, CEOs that are making more and there are, there are billionaires, there are tycoons out there. But I mean, the thought that Aaron Rodgers, who is a pretty normal guy, like he just, he, I've interviewed Aaron Rodgers. uh, I have mutual friends with Aaron Rodgers. He is a, just like, you, you know, when you see him in interviews, he's not that. He's not a tycoon. He's, he doesn't yeah. feel like a billionaire. And that man will now be collecting, you know, uh, um, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine times the amount that the average American or Canadian makes in a year. Every day. Every day. Oh, but now he can afford more sweet cowboy hats and mustache wax. Exactly, and right? that's really what this is all about. It comes down to that. Now, we in conversation with Brad Gagnon, National NFL writer, Bleacher Report. Now, Brad, one of my favorite things to do is when a quarterback signs big money, you go to SpotTrack.com and you scroll all the way down. You're like, where's Tom? Where's Tom Brady? And I have it up here. Here are some quarterbacks making more than Tom Brady on the contract. Um, Tyrod Taylor from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield, a rookie. Case Keenum. Case Keenum, who has one good year, one, is making more money than Tom Brady. Joe Flacco, Ryan Tannehill, that hurts. Ryan Tannehill's making more than him. Like He's only making more on the full contract than Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Jameis Winston. You have Carson Wentz in there. Like Tom Brady remains so grossly underpaid. And I just wonder, Like you see this contract, and then in the offseason, they're like, oh, Tom, we'll give you like five mil extra in incentives. At some point, doesn't Tom Brady have to be like, hey, man, Come on, let's go. I'm for, I'm 41. I've been a team guy my whole career. Can I get paid big time too? Yeah, uh, Tom Brady. The difference between Tom Brady's salary and Cam Newton's 
is larger than the difference in the other direction between Tom Brady and Josh McCown. Right. Wow. I mean, like there, he's in a closer range to Josh McCown oh. than he is to Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, Alex Smith, Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Oh. <laughs> you you got to say them all. Yeah. To get the feel for, for how dramatically underpaid Tom Brady is. And, you know, it, whether that's, you know, just pure kudos to him and he's saying, look, I, I've, I'm all about the Super Bowl now. I have more money than I'll ever need. My wife has more money than I even have. Um, you know, like, and I appreciate that if that's the case because it's so easy for us to often to say like, oh, you, you know, you, how can these players push for more money when they're already multimillionaires? Well, yeah. that's all relative. If we were multimillionaires, then we would want a few extra million too. We're, you're never going to be satisfied. You always think about taking care of your family and your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids, and maybe you can go one more generation down <laughs> if you can earn that extra contract. Great so, grandpa Tom, yeah. Exactly. So um, maybe great grandpa Tom is even at the point where he realizes that he's not going to um, have to worry at any point about the finances and just doesn't push for it. I mean, but then, you know, you heard earlier this off season that he wasn't too happy, you know, reportedly about, um, the, you know, the, the, the nature of his contract. And there was a, a, a tweak essentially that was made and, and he and Gronk were both reportedly, you know, kind of, you know, considering, um, you know, sitting out mandatory mini camp before showing up. And so, you know, the problem with it really is, is that we don't know because the Patriots are this, you know, this, this fortress of solitude where we don't, you can't get in. We don't know. We, we can't hear any reports regarding what's happening, what the reality is. Tom Brady's hanging up on radio interviewers when, when they ask <laughs> questions about even simple things like Alex Guerrero being on a plane or being on the sideline. And so, you know, we might never know. Brady might write that tell-all book one day. He clearly is beginning to open up more based on that Tom vs. Time documentary that mm -hmm. he, uh, he, he launched ahead of the Super Bowl this past year. But um, the fact is, is that we don't know if this is Brady being incredibly altruistic or if this is the Patriots saying, um, you know, how dare you try to even get that kind of money out of us. That's not how we operate. And if you'd like to, to uh, test the waters on the Cleveland Browns roster, you're welcome. I, I don't know. <laughs> Man, unbelievable. In conversation with Brad Gagnon, national NFL writer with Bleacher Report on Twitter at Brad underscore Gagnon. Now, Brad, let's go to Khalil Mack here. And you go from a guy making a ton of money in Aaron Rodgers to somebody who wants to make even more money, technically still under contract, wants the extension, not reporting. You're the Raiders, you're John Gruden, you had all the good feelings coming in, and you have your best player, your stud still holding out. And now it, the rumors continue that he'll have to be traded, which is so bizarre to me. Like, Brad, don't you think the Raiders have to work this out? Because ultimately, if you trade Khalil Mack, guess what? You're going to be looking for another Khalil Mack, and they're hard to find. Yeah, exactly. And, and then what, are you going to give him three or four years and then do the same thing? Because right. obviously they don't feel like Khalil Mack is worth what Khalil Mack feels he's worth. And if that's the case and you're looking for another Mack, you're going to be literally in the exact same situation in a few years. Or you're going to decide that the whole John Gruden thing isn't panning out. If this is indeed more of a Gruden thing than a Reggie McKenzie thing, which it seems like it probably is. I mean, there was, again, the report that Mack and Gruden hadn't even spoken as of a few weeks ago. Um, it, I just think it really on a broader scale indicates how, um, you know, flawed and short-sighted and really just silly this, this, this transition to Gruden has been. I mean, for a team that was a Super Bowl contender under Jack Del Rio a year ago, had an off year, their quarterback wasn't healthy, things just didn't go right. 
to give up that quickly to go to this, you know, supposed all-star head coach who, you know, hasn't coached in a decade. Um, in the previous half decade when he was a coach, had a sub-500 record and didn't make the playoffs in any of those seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Probably had an inflated reputation already after essentially inheriting a Super Bowl team um, um, uh, in Tampa in the first place. Um, and so, you know, now he comes in, he starts acquiring, you know, these geriatric, you know, players left <laughs> and right um, and starts de-emphasizing sort of or, or underappreciating at least his key players and his key defensive player. The only guy that's kept that defense afloat the last few years, um, you know, is it an ego thing? Is it him saying, you know, I, you know uh, I'm the new honcho here and, and, and he, isn't really, he wants to start from scratch and make this about him? Um, aside from maybe Carr, who's probably untouchable on that roster, maybe. Um, but it, again, it feels like it, it, it reeks of Gruden. Um, McKenzie, you know, uh, drafted Mac and probably has an allegiance to him that, that Gruden doesn't feel. And obviously they're willing to gamble, but it just feels like the, the first step, or at least, no, the first step was like Doug Martin and Jordy Nelson and investing yeah. in some of these old. This, this is the second step now in what is quite clearly to me going to be something we're going to, that's going to backfire. That in like three years, the best three years into this 10 year, $100 million ridiculous contract, oh. we're going to be saying, remember when the Raiders decided that John Gruden was a good idea <laughs> in 2018. And, and I think this is just one of those steps along that path of, uh, of us discovering that. John Gruden, Brad, to me, is, is turning into one of those guys who's in like your fantasy football league who just goes on like name recognition. Is like, oh, yeah, yeah. Jordy Nelson. He's good. Yeah. And, like, and like, oh, he still drafts like Des Bryant, even though he doesn't have a team because he was good like three years ago. <laughs> like, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting from, from, from John Gruden. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that name when I was uh, calling Monday Night Football. And then brings him well, in. Look like, at but Christian Hackenberg, too, he's, right? He's I mean, due. He, he brought in Christian Hackenberg for like <laughs> oh. a, a minute. Uh, because, again, he was probably remembering what he saw from him in college and when he did the Gruden camp right. with him and didn't look at the fact that he couldn't even crack the Jets, the Jets yeah. starting lineup, let alone their backup spot for, for the first two years of his career. And so, yeah, he seems like a guy who probably hasn't been doing his research for five or six years, which is why he thinks that, that, that Doug Martin and, and Jordy Nelson are premier players apparently that are worthy of, of spots on his roster, especially when you bring in Martin instead of, or, or sorry, Nelson, instead of a guy like Michael Crabtree, you're in place of a guy like Michael Crabtree, who as much as he's maybe not a superstar, you know, scored eight touchdowns or more in three consecutive seasons before this. He's a pretty consistent dude uh, to go to a guy like Nelson. Who's on his last legs is just shocking for yeah. the same amount of money. I mean, it, it, it's really odd the way he's approached everything he's done with this roster so far. And again, I think it's going to backfire. I think so as well, but it'll, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch one way or the other. Brad, oh, thank, it always you. Is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much as always, man. Thanks, man. All right, Brad Gagnon, national NFL writer from Bleacher Report on Twitter, at Brad underscore Gagnon. And if you look at this Raiders lineup, after Amari Cooper, so many questions. As we talked about, Jordy Nelson, 33 years old, he's due to crash and burn. Martavis Bryant is interesting. Coming over from the Steelers, off-field troubles, inconsistent, has the ability to be a star. Can that be corralled? And if, if Bryant... Surprises and jumps up six four two ten twenty six years old. Like he has the ability to be a superstar, but he has so many other issues that you wonder if that's going to be possible. So very interesting stuff out of Raiderland and in Packerland. Going to step aside after the break. My summer wrestling series continues. So far this year, we've had Eric Bischoff, founder of the NWO, 
vice president of WCW. Diamond Dallas Page, WWE Hall of Famer, creator of DDP Yoga, multiple champion. Mick Foley, the hardcore legend, and now current WWE superstar and multi-time champion, The Miz, joins me next here on Toronto Today. Rolling along here on Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. I'm Andy McNamara. Got another poll question up on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. What is the, I, I, I guess, regrettable slash like best bad knockoff sports purchase you've ever made? On Twitter at AndyMC81 and at TSN 1050 Radio, I brought in my what turned out to be a knockoff Baker Mayfield walk-on sweatshirt. I did not know it was a, uh, a knockout at the time. Then Baker Mayfield... Last Friday, put out, he's like, don't be fooled by ripoffs. My real walk-on, which was the sweatshirt he wore when he got drafted, because he was a two-time walk-on, Heisman Trophy winner, thought it was cool, wanted the shirt. He's like, my real one will be coming out soon. And I'm thinking, oh, um, well, I just spent $50 on something. So I, we posted a, tw- a, a, a picture there, and we have some great tweets. We'll get to that in the 12 o'clock hour. But tweet us in, at andymcd one at TSN 1050 Radio, your best knockoff, fake, whatever piece of sports memorabilia. But now, my wrestling summer series continues. We've had some big names this summer, folks. Continue with, he's in Toronto for the Fan Expo today. It is WWE superstar Mike The Miz Mizanin. Here's my conversation from earlier. He's a former WWE heavyweight champion, intercontinental titles, U.S. titles, tag team championships. He's done it all. Mike, the Miz, is on the line from World Wrestling Entertainment. Miz, how's it going, man? It is going fantastic. Excited about being in Toronto. We were in Toronto uh, for the past two days. You know, we had Raw and SmackDown both here. Um, The show was absolutely incredible. The crowd was lit as they always are. So it's exciting to be able to go to the Fan Expo tomorrow and really meet the fans, sign autographs, take pictures, do the whole thing. Excellent. And I, when you look at the Toronto crowds, and you've been around for a while now, and it used to be called Toronto, Canada, wrestling for the WWE. It was Bizarro World, right? You had it where when yeah. Bret Hart was at the peak, it was he was the good guy in Canada, bad guy there. How Have you seen the Toronto or Canadian crowds? Have they... Have they switched? Has it become more kind of normalized across North America when you come to town? No, no. Canada's always bizarre world. <laughs> um, you never, you kind of never know. Like it's kind of fun that way. So the reason being is you never know what you're going to get. I never know if I'm going to be cheered or if I'm going to be booed. I, I have no idea. Like, and that's the interesting part about coming to Canada. You really don't know what the fans are going to do, and so it makes it for. Uh, a, a fun time at the at the arena, for me at least. Right. Some people don't like. That. <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy the uh, the trickery, if you will, of the crowd. Now, Miz, uh, you love love being booed, love being hated. Do you, do you think the like does that feed you as much as a as a baby face does getting cheered? Like, do you love feeling the hate? Yeah, I mean, it kind of motivates me. It guides me. Whenever I see negative things on Twitter or on any social media platform about me. It kind of fuels my fire, so it kind of fuels my fire whenever I'm uh, walking out there in the arena and I have, you know, 10,000 people booing me. (laughs) And as you said, you'll be appearing at the Fan Expo Canada Thursday, August 30, alongside Triple H, 
Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles, WWE Night at Fan Expo Canada. So that's going to be uh, August 30th there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, when, when you go out and meet, meet fans, what do, you, what do you usually get? Because in the arena they boo, but, you know, when fans are up close, they, they love the bad guys. They love the attitude. What's, when you interact with fans, what do, you, what do you feel? How do they react to you? Uh, you, get, you get a couple of them. A couple of them are like, the way it'll be, it'll be like they're really excited to meet you. They want pictures. They want autographs. They want everything. They want the whole shebang. Then you get the guy that basically is like, you suck. And then it's like, can I get your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like you um, came out all the way to say that? Yeah. They don't, yeah, exactly. You came all the way to do that, and you still want my autograph, and you still want my picture. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like Daniel Bryan better, but you're the one that's here, so... And then they make up 20 million excuses about why they're doing it, but the fact is they're still getting my autograph and picture, so it's kind of funny to me. Right, and then they put a little heart around it when they get home, right? So it's all good. Exactly. Uh, or I put the heart around it. Yeah, for them. And you can see the Miz Fan Expo candidates at the Metro uh, Toronto Convention Centre August 30 to September 2nd. Miz, I want to go back to... Your and, and I listed off some of the titles you've won, like WWE Heavyweight Champ, Tag Titles, Intercontinental Titles. When you first started on The Real World, then went to Tough Enough, the WWE reality show, could you have imagined rising to these heights? Like when you started out there getting into Tough Enough, what was your goal? I mean, the goal was to be a WWE superstar, was to get to con- a contract with WWE. Before I was even on Tough Enough, I was on the independents trying to you know hone my craft as a as a professional wrestler, and, you know, once I got on the Tough Enough, it made me re- realize it even more that that's what I wanted to do. So to not win and uh, but still get a contract was probably the best move ever because, you know, I wasn't given the huge contract of a Tough Enough winner. I was given a developmental contract, which was really nothing hmm. at the time. Like, you were, you, were, you, were, you were living off of paper scraps, so... And, you know, to go in there and really hold my craft in the developmental system in WWE and then, you know, get brought up to SmackDown. And every every time I've done something, it made me realize how much more I wanted it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, Ms., one of the more fascinating stories with you, I know you put out, you love the heat, you love the bad guys, but your story, I think, is so inspirational from your how you began, how you got in, and then overcoming backstage hazing, really putting up with, with bullying, overcoming that, and not just dealing with it, but then becoming an ultimate success, winning the heavyweight title. Like, I think that story doesn't get talked about enough about how inspiring that can be to I others. Ultimate underdog right? story, but yet I am still looked at as a person that was given everything, right. even though right. I wasn't given anything. Uh, people think just because I was on a reality show I was given a contract. That's not true. People think that I was on a reality show and never did the indies. That's not true. Mm-hmm. People think that uh, I was, you know, I thought uh, that I was the greatest thing in the world and that everyone was beneath me. The Miz thought that, but Mike never thought that, you know. So it's, it's one of those things that everyone assumed things about me, and people still assume things about me. Um, and I think the fact that I am uh, where I am today just shows how much hard work and dedication I'm willing to put in um, to do this. Yep, and to overcome what you did, I think it's uh, it's phenomenal. In conversation with The Miz, multi-time WWE World Wrestling Entertainment champion on Twitter, at Mike The Miz. Now, Miz, uh, talked to you before we went on. I, I've interviewed several times your guy, Nathan Zagura, Cleveland Browns Daily. You're a Cleveland guy. You're a Browns fan. He chirps you on, on fantasy football. How are you feeling this year? Do you got a team in? 
So I have three teams already. I have six drafts that I'm doing. Oh. It, it's it's honestly my second job, um, <laughs> or actually like my fourth job because I have so many jobs. But anyway, so I did two drafts that I thought I did really, really well in. And then my, my third draft, I was on a plane, and the plane didn't have Wi-Fi, so I had to basically do an auto draft. Now, everyone knows that does fantasy football that, you don't do auto-draft because your team's just going to not get what you want. Yeah. And not only did I not get what I wanted, but it didn't even get any of my players in my queue. It basically gave me what it thought was the best player, oh. and it wasn't the best player. It was terrible. So this team needs a lot of work. It's terrible. It's horrible. My, my draft with Nathan Zagura from Cleveland Browns Daily uh, is on uh, next Wednesday. Oh. So um, I'm uh, super excited about that one. That one's the one that I look at is the most important out of all my leagues because we actually have a championship title called the George, and it basically has a picture of my dad's face on a championship. So it's, it's pretty gnarly. It's pretty great, and everybody wants it. A modification of, of the Shiva from the League TV show, I guess. Eh? Exactly. Like that. <laughs> and and uh, finally, I know you're a Browns fan. What do you think of this team? Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, the Browns going to win a couple games? You know, I don't. I, not only do I think they're going to win a couple games, I think they're going to go eight and eight, nine and seven, and, win the play, and go into playoffs. Yes, I think they may actually have what it takes to 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 win the AFC North. And the reason I say that, and everyone's like, "What do you mean?" You know, the Baltimore Ravens aren't as good as everyone thinks they are, and they're always kind of an average type of team: eight and eight, seven and nine. You know, six. Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, the the, the Bengals have just downgraded and downgraded. I mean, they just have been going worse and worse and worse every year. And I think the the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of getting a little old, you know. So I think it's time for the Browns to, like, step up. I've, you know, I've been watching Hard Knocks. Uh, I don't know if you guys get it up here, but, man, is it a fantastic show. It's the ins and outs of what's happening in, with the Cleveland Browns. And you really see it's a whole new motivation. After going 0-16, you really want to step up and really do great. And I think that's what that team is is setting out to do. Yeah, we got it two days later, Miz. It kills me to have to wait that long, but, you know, it's all good. You don't have to wait two days, though, to meet the Miz, Triple H, AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair. You can do that August 30 at Fan Expo, Metro Toronto Convention Center. Miz, thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. You can get tickets at fanexpocanada.com. Definitely come see me, Charlotte, Triple H, and AJ. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And there you go. You can do that today. Today is August 30th. You can go down and meet those superstars at the Fan Expo Metro Toronto Convention Center. So there you go. Wrestling Summer Series with The Miz. I found it very interesting, the overcoming the bullying angle. Because you look at him on TV, he's a star, he's a jerk. But as he said, the reality star or angle of it was everyone thought he was handed everything and he was picked on, but he wasn't. He wasn't. And he overcame. So that was, uh, I thought that was really interesting. After the break, we're going to get back into our Leafs poll. Are you surprised that the Maple Leafs haven't done anything to really improve the defense this offseason? You can vote on that at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. And then also, your greatest either regret or piece of fake sports memorabilia. We'll talk about that and more next on Toronto Today.